Ephesians 5, and I, I really want to do my best today to not confuse anyone, and so my goal is to teach this very simply, and so you may leave church today saying, well, that was a real simple message, and that's on purpose, so that way you leave here through these next couple teachings with the simplicity of the necessity of being filled with the Holy Spirit to just be you. To just be you. God has made you you, male and female. He just made you you on purpose. He made you tall. He made you short. He made you big. He made you small. He made you male. He made you female. He made you on purpose. And he smiled when he did so. Can you believe that? He smiled. He's like, ooh, 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 ooh. He smiled. He liked it. And every once in a while, I don't like me. I was going to say you, but that's mean. I don't like, I just, it's hard, life, sometimes. And God says, hey, I did this. I know what I'm doing. With with all the uniquenesses and the diversities and the giftings and and the beauties and all of, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Have you ever looked at a painting with many, many colors? Maybe a Thomas Kincaid painting, and you just sit back and like, what? He did that with the brush? How did he do that? And God so much more says, look at my canvas. Look at all the, and look at who you are. And God has made you you, but he's not made you you to be autonomous or independent or, or to be your own governing agent, but instead he's made you you to come into submission to him and his plan, to die to self and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be the best you that you can be. When you were born, you were born two-dimensional, body and mind. Your spirit was dead. And when you become born again, you become three-dimensional. You become that three-part being, body, mind, and spirit. And now your spirit is reunited with his spirit when you're born again. Until you're born again, it's not. It's just the way it is. And when you're born again, as he said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you now have the opportunity to die to self, that is body and mind, and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit through your body and mind, to give your life to God in a way that is pleasing to him, that is joyful, as the attributes we'll see today, that is thankful, that is worshipful, that is submissive, that is serviceful, making up words now, that is one who lives for the sake, listen, of others' good in God's glory. Did you know that that's the highest attribute of anybody, to live for the sake of others' good and God's glory? Jesus exemplified that. Jesus came to the earth and sought to serve and to save others for God's glory, for heaven's glory. That being said, Paul's going to give us very basic marching orders of what it looks like to be a man, to be a woman, to be a Christian, to be spirit-filled. And the contrast is when we lean on our own things to accomplish our own stuff. You ever leaned on your own things to accomplish your own stuff? Yeah. You ever go to jail for that? Yeah, me too. God says, no, don't do that anymore. Don't look to the ways of the world. It will only come up two-dimensional if you would. Instead, God's going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to do things that you cannot do yourself. Does that sound exciting? Before we even go further, I'm going to pray now and ask God to give us his Holy Spirit to understand what he would declare to us in his word that we would find ourselves receiving the light for our path and the lamp for our feet that we wouldn't walk in darkness, tossed to and fro by every thing the world makes up. God, we thank you for your word 
And we thank you, Lord, for your spirit, which illuminates your word and which plants it deep within our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name now, as we've set aside this time to study your word, that it would indeed become, Lord, that which we lack, that it would be the power source we draw from, that there wouldn't be, Lord, an intellectual here this morning that seeks to learn more so they can do more in and of themselves. But instead, Lord, for the intellectual, or maybe the seeker, or maybe the worshiper, the wonderer, Lord, may we instead know who you are and be more impressed with you, more in awe of you, more reliant on you, more submitted to you. And then may you just overwhelm us, Lord, with who you are. The impetus, the, the power, the gravity is on you. And so, Lord, we worship you as such because you can handle it. You're worthy of it. You've proven it to be so. So, Holy Spirit, now fill me as your teacher that I might be able to articulate properly and to worship as we study your word together. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, what I'm about to read to you is the attributes of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you ever heard that before? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're thinking, man, that guy's so full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, that gal's so filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Or I go to a Spirit-filled church. Can you imagine, it's just in your own mind, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're wrong, maybe I'm right, I don't know. Can you imagine describing a Spirit-filled church to somebody? Oh, man, it's the worship, so loud, so big, so in this and the signs and wonders and the tongues and all this, and all this, you know, and, and I, and I, okay, that's a church service. What would it be like to describe a spirit-filled individual, just one person on their life, how they look and what they do and how they drive and how they live? What would that person be like? And your adjectives and your understanding is a little bit different than mine based on our experience and our understanding, etc. But let me just remind you what Jesus said, because that's where we start. Jesus told the church in Acts chapter 1, hey, y'all, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to fill you. And then you're going to receive power and you're going to be my what? Witnesses. In all of the, the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's the whole deal. We're going to be witnesses? Did you know that that word witnesses in the Greek is marteo, where we get our word martyr, which we would then continue to expand and say, this is a person who is a sacrifice, who lays down their life for the cause of another. So put it all together. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you power. What for? To die to self? I'm going to give you power to what? Be a martyr? <laughs> you know the story of the book of Acts as they received this power and they would indeed go on record telling people who Jesus was, what Jesus had done, what Jesus was doing. Oh, and they all got killed for it. They all laid their lives down to the end, to the death. And they did so with great joy. And with great power and great purpose. And I read the book of Acts. I'm going up to Yakima next Sunday, right after the second service, driving up there. And I'll teach the entire book of Acts. I love it. I, love to, I get to do it once or twice a year. And in the book of Acts, these guys, these gals received the Holy Spirit. Purpose in their lives. And now in bodily death, they were able to shine God's glory. But also in bodily life. That is the way they lived. They were those, and I hope you are too. Those who are committed to being filled with the Spirit, which means laying down your own rights, 
laying down your own thoughts, laying down your own comforts, laying down your own agendas for the good of others and the glory of God. That's the sweet spot. That's the whole purpose of life. Now, the world that we live in, in America, modern-day America, teaches us that it's all about me and myself and I. It's all about us and our committee and our happiness and our excellence and our success. But God says, no, no, if you want to be great, and Jesus wasn't down, he wasn't, wasn't down on that. He said, you want to be great? Pfft, sweet. Here's how you do it. You become a servant to all. You esteem others as better than yourself. You walk in this desire to make others better, make others greater. How are you going to, let me just ask this question. I was going to say, how are you going to do that? Here's my real question. How's that going for you? How is your life right now in making others greater, in esteeming others higher, in walking and living and breathing and working for others' good and God's glory? Is that how you would describe your alarm clock in the morning when it goes off? Why is this going off so early? Well, so I can serve others and give God glory in the process. And maybe that is you, and I pray it is. I pray that it's me as well. But I want us to remind ourselves when we say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's not just so we can pray for the sick and see them healed. It is that. But it's not just so we can have prophecies and understand the future and the signs and the times. It is that, but it's not just that. But when we say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, it's not even just for the Holy Ghost goosebumps. Who loves those? You know what I'm saying? I do. I love those. That's good stuff. The peace of the Lord that passes understanding. Woohoo! He says, how about this? How about I fill you? How about I fill you so you could serve others for their good and for my glory? And if that's not what you're doing right now, if that's not how it looks for your life on any given day or at any given hour, the Lord would say right now, stop and let me fill you. You're saved. You've got all of the Holy Spirit that there is. Remember we talked about what it means to be filled? It's not that you're a quarter tank full, three quarters empty when you're living for yourself. Oh, look at this. I lost a bunch of the Spirit. No, no. To be filled means to be taken over by. You're already technically, spiritually, realistically, positionally full of the Holy Spirit. He's already all there. But we have this free will in our minds that we choose to invest in ourselves or in others and in God's glory. And when we choose to invest it in ourselves, we're not letting the Lord fully lead our lives or live, should I say, lead our lives. And so in this portion of scripture, he's saying to guys and to gals, here's how it looks. It's very pragmatic and very practical. So the power of God, everyone say the power. Man, the power of God is to do his will and not your own. Did you know that it actually takes God's power to not do your own will? Like to do God's will takes his power, but to say no to your own will <laughs> takes God's power. And the power is to trust and obey what he has said because there's no other way to be happy in Christ Jesus. And I went over this last week, kind of a little bit of review getting into this. But if you're a Christian here, man, this is good news. You're not your own anymore. You were bought at a price, and now you get to glorify God in your bodies, which are his. He's like redeemed you, taken you, and he is the boss. You're not the boss anymore. And not only that, but you're a saint. You get to live for his name and for his glory and for his purpose, and you get to be an ambassador of Christ. Uh, he also promises to those who are Christians here today, he promises you. This is good news. I'm, I'm 38, and I consider that young, but feeling old. And I, I want to keep doing this. I don't want to quit. I, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. I want to keep going until they put dirt on my box. I want to keep going. 
And the Bible says that he who began the work will be faithful to complete it in you. You might have good days or bad days or more bad days than good days in your own estimation. The Bible says he's committed to you to the end. He'll never stop. He'll never leave you. It's not the impetus. Again, the power, the gravity, the weight, the pressure, the energy is upon him. That is good news. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us now in chapters 4, 5, and 6, we're at the end of chapter 5. He gives us what it looks like to be a Christian. Now that we're in Christ and we're sitting pretty, now that we're ready to enjoy this new life, he says, I want you to walk in unity. (laughs) Did you know you will not be able to really walk in unity without the power of the Holy Spirit? You will always have some chip on your shoulder. You will always have some plank in your eye. You will always have some ism, schism, or division. Always. As a matter of fact, if you right now don't feel like you're unified with the body of Christ or with the community around you, there's something wrong, it's because you're not overtaken, filled by the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple. He says, now be unified. He also then went on to talk about to be purified. To walk away from the dark stuff, the things that take you down, the stuff that's done in the dark, the sexual impurities and all the addictions that come out of all the things in our world. And he says, if you're spirit filled, that is given over to the life of the spirit, you'll be able to walk away from those things. Can I just say, if you struggle with addiction or sin, or, and I, we all do struggle with sin, okay, just so you know you're not alone here. If you struggle with weakness, you can overcome only and you will be able to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you allow him to take over, and he says, be purified and walk in unity. And he also tells us that we're to walk in harmony, okay? To know your role and others' role and to do it right. Harmony. When we're all doing the same thing. You ever been to a symphony before and just like sat there and there's like 52 people in the symphony and there's the one guy with the bell, you know? And like, hey, man, he made the team. You know, he's got the bell, you know, and occasionally rings the bell or whatever, you know. There's all these instruments, and some are more magnanimous than others. But nonetheless, the harmony that this symphony plays together, okay, as they walk in unity and they complement one another in such a fashion. And God says, hey, guess what? You, men, women, guys, gals, young, old, free, working, all of these things he lists, kids, parents, husbands, wives, all y'all have a part in the symphony of God's grace. Do your part by his power, and it's going to be harmonious. That was pretty good right there. That was pretty good. No, it wasn't good at all. But anyways, you guys get the point, just making sure you're with me. And uh, so today we're going to talk about roles and uh, responsibilities and the differences in the body of Christ. And then the next week also we'll talk more about husbands and wives. Next week we'll get a little bit into it today. Uh, But the reality is um, every relationship in the world today that exists is based on harmony of roles. Every single relationship. Every single relationship, whether familial or judicial or social or cultural or ecumenical, everything has to do with the harmony of roles. You being you, submitted and serving the people around you well and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever. That being said, uh, let me just ask you a few questions moving into this. Number one, is there a God? This is church. Come on, people. Is there? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, there is. Okay. There is a God. What? And you're not him. We've gone over this many, many times. You guys guys know this. And uh, that's what you need in order to apply and understand this portion of scripture to your life. And number two, is he good? Gosh. Thank you. All the time. There are times, though, based on my actions and our worries 
that we don't always show that we believe God is good, aren't there? When a door closes, ah, ah, Lord, don't you know this was a good thing and now it's gone away. And the Lord is good even in the midst of our closed doors. We believe he's good, but there's those days where we wonder if he really knows what's going on. As a matter of fact, the very, very first lie ever brought to mankind's attention was spoken by Satan himself when he asked the question to Eve, is the Lord really good? Has he really given you every? Is he really treating you fairly? And she thought to herself there with Adam by her side, that's a great question. I've never thought about that question. Do tell me more. And they began to have this conversation about the goodness of God. So too, you and I daily are faced with this question. Is there a God? We believe there is. Is he good though? And when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be able to answer that question quickly, even though your situation is not always good. Hello? You guys get the difference. Even recently, in the last six months, I've had some opportunity, I've had some experiences in my own life where I'm like, man, I, Lord, did, I, did you not get my vote? Did it not go through? You didn't, you didn't see how I wanted this to plan out? And Lord, I, and I have to just trust the Lord, but at times I don't trust him well. D- depression sets in, fear, anxiety, disapproval of what's happening in your life. Lord, this doesn't make any sense. God is good all the time. Now, the next question I would ask you, does God know what he's talking about in all things? He's kind of smart, like he's got, he kind of figured it out. Isn't it weird how we as humans kind of want to counsel God at times? Like, whoa, Lord, Lord, this is 2016. Things, things are crazy, you know, the internet and stuff, you know. Like God doesn't know more than you. And God hasn't given us enough in his word to, to help us. And it's up to you and I to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit to get taken over by the Holy Spirit to just say, there is a God, I'm not him. He is good all the time, and he knows more than I do. And the last question I would ask you just before I even read the text is, is this word the boss? Okay, is it the boss? Is this, does it get to be the boss? Well, yes, it does. Okay, just answer the question. This book, again, is the most criticized, most scrutinized. It's the most shoplifted, the first ever printed. You guys know the stats on this book. It's the most studied book ever, and it's the most powerful book ever. Lives by the billions have been changed by this book. And every once in a while, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. This book, this book, this book. So I'm going to read now, and then I'm going to continue to preach. Here's what it says. Here's his command, his instruction for you and I. Verse 18, he says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That verse alone is our foundation for our Christianity. Don't look to the things of the world. He says alcohol specifically, we taught on that. But what he's speaking of and implying is not just alcohol, but anything that you would look to that is worldly or that is not biblical or that is other than And instead of going there first, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all things acknowledge the Lord, and he shall direct your paths. It's not about the world in its ways or your ways or my ways or our ways. It's about being filled with the Spirit. So he says, be filled. And here's what it looks like. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We'll talk about what it means to be spirit-filled. It's joyful and worshipful. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're thankful. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? But are you all the time thankful? 
this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. We have more to be thankful. We're in the top two percentile of the world. You realize that, right? Everyone here, even the poorest among us in this room today, are the top two percentile of the world. Yeah, but it's still tough to be me. And the rest of the world would look at you and say, I would love to be you. I would love it. And yet, it takes a spirit that is given over to God and his priorities and his purpose to just be thankful, to, to just be grateful. It, it's a miracle. You would think it's a miracle to walk on water, and it is. But it is an equal miracle to be grateful, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And may, may the Lord change your attitude and your heart even today and make you the most thankful person you know, the most grateful person. Wouldn't that be fun to be around you if you were more grateful? Just so, I mean, it'd be so fun to be around you. Just thankful. I'll talk about that in a little bit. He also says, verse 21, the spirit-filled person is submitting to one another in the fear of God. The, the Christian, the person who is submitted to the Holy Spirit is also equally submitted to the people that they are in fellowship with. And when you see other Christians, you look at them and say, you're better than me. You're made in God's image. You're a miracle. Wow, you're, oh, can I serve, can I serve you for God's glory? Can I make your life, that's, how many are doing that right now? Most of us, when we come into a room, we're like, better than you, better than you, better than you. I will be better than you. I'll be better than you. I'm pretty sure I'm better. And there's something weird in us that just wants to be better than other people. And God says, no, no. The spirit-filled person will, in the fear of the Lord, submit to one another and will love to see God in other people and see them blessed. He goes on to say this now to wives and husbands. He said, wives who are spirit-filled, you're going to be able to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That is to give him preference, to follow him, to give him the opportunity to lead you and to be encouraged by you. Verse 23, why? For the husband is the head of the wife. Simply put, and we'll talk about this next week, the husband's been put in charge. If you allow him to lead, and he does lead well, then when he's called on the carpet and held accountable by God, which he will be, he'll have been doing good because you've been supporting him and encouraging him. He's the head of the house, head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. All in favor of Christ being the head of the church? Aye. (laughs) Woo! Same deal. He says, this is how it works in the family, harmony. And he's the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, that is, we give preference to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This is what God gives to wives as they follow the Lord and they trust him. We've already talked about trusting the Lord and all these other things. So too, now it gets very um, practical. Then he says to the husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. He says, husbands, I want you to love your wives. You mean by saying I do? Like I do? I do? I do. No, I want you to love your wives a little more intentional than that. How about we use as an example for your learning uh, Jesus? How about you love your wives like Jesus loved the church, sacrificially, unconditionally, to the end, to the uttermost? I'll tell you what, we'll talk about this in the weeks to come. But the words here are very clear. Verse 27 says that he, that is Christ, might present her, that is the church, to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he, she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Stop right there and eyes up here just so you get this as you can um, process this later on this week. God has designed marriage to be an example of heaven. God has designed marriage to be an example of the church and its relationship with Jesus. You're asking yourself right now, why do we have to do it this way? Why did he say it this way? And there's practical reasons, but there's also very profound reasons. He said, this is going to be my, this is my joy. This is my Thomas Kincaid painting. This is the way I'm going to illustrate that which is a mystery, that which is heavenly on earth. This is the, the best way that I'm choosing to illustrate. Because you might ask yourself, well, how important is it? What if I don't do it? What if, what if I keep my stiff neck and I don't want to love my wife this way? Or what if I don't want to repent of my sin and let my husband lead in this way? What he's saying is, is as you instead let the Holy Spirit convict you and lead you and equip you. Because did you know you can't do these things without the power of the Holy Spirit? Can't do these things? But if you let the Lord fill you and do these things, you'll be in reality living an example of heaven on earth. As a matter of fact, verse 31, he gives us the recipe for marriage. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, even though it is a picture, there is practical realities. Verse 33, he summarizes all of that, which he just said. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, so, it, it, by the way, chapter 6 continues on with these thoughts on what it means to be spirit-filled, speaking specifically of children and their parents and bosses and employers and employees and bosses and all of these other things. So he just keeps going through it's very practical what it means to come to church, go to the Good News Club, to repent of your sin and get the Holy Spirit. You're going to be joyful. You're going to be worshipful. You're going to be thankful. You're going to be submissive. You're going to be harmonious in your roles and responsibilities. You're going to be obedient to your parents as kids for therein lies a reward. You're going to be uh, obedient to your bosses. And you're, if you're a boss, you're going to be a servant to your employees and all this cool stuff that happens. <sighs> But have you found out that all of this is very difficult to do? All of this is very difficult. On your own, you actually cannot accomplish these things. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. He said it's like a branch cut off of the, the tree and on its own. And if you've ever cut a branch off a tree, literally within hours, it looks different than the tree. I mean, literally the leaves, everything, just, it just starts to, and when you're not committed or submitted or connected to the vine, to, to Jesus himself, filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to do any of these things. But you're here today to show up, to get educated, to get excited, to get instructed in order to be equipped for every good work, that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this is the way it looks practically on earth, the Holy Spirit. And by the way, did you know that when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, not only did he say you would receive power and become martyrs, but before that he said the Holy Spirit is going to be among you and he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Did you know that the first and most important ministry of the Holy Spirit with you is to convict you of your hard heart and your stiff neck, convict you of your sin? How many of you guys still struggle with sin? A little bit. Just a little bit, like... Every once in a while you show up and you look in the mirror, you're like, ah, what are you doing here? I mean, every time I just, oh, man. 
And the Holy Spirit says, I got you. I got you. I'm going to convict you every time you do something dumb. I'm going to convict you every time you do something stupid. I'm gonna, and then I'm going to convict you in order to lead you to righteousness. I got you. This is so good. The Holy Spirit with you, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit through you. And God says to you and to me, Luke, I want to I change the world through your witness. I want you to be my witness. I'm going to convict you and then equip you all at the same time. And so I pray in Jesus' name that our hearts would be soft towards the Holy Spirit this morning, that our necks wouldn't be stiff, as is our custom, but instead we would repent and we would let him take over our lives that we might be filled. Look at verse 19. Let's see what this looks like. He said, the spirit-filled person, first of all, is going to be joyful, that attitude of gratitude. And by the way, do you know who the happiest people in the world are? The happiest people. It's kind of a choice, is it not? I'm serious. It's kind of, the happiest people are the happiest people. You can actually have nothing and be completely satisfied. You can actually have everything and be completely dissatisfied. Don't be deceived. Some of you right now are waiting to be joyful until things are joyous in your life. You're waiting to be happy until the things that are happening are happy in their happenings. You don't have control over what's happening in your life, but you do have control over your happiness, over your joy. You have total control over it. And he says, submit to me. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And that attitude of gratitude will not be weak and mushy and topsy-turvy, but instead, unlike a thermometer, which goes... Thermometer goes all over the place based on what's happening. Thermometer has no control, only response. The Bible says that if you're spirit-filled, you'll be a thermostat, okay? You'll set the temperature. You'll set it, you'll adjust it, and when things get hot, you'll bring it back down. You'll be able to, can you do that yourself? Yeah, maybe for a minute, okay? Maybe for 30 seconds, maybe if no one's there, <laughs> maybe, whatever, maybe if there's coffee involved, whatever. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have access to God, and you can dictate what really goes on. As a matter of fact, Paul said it this way. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Now, I have a lot of esteem for, for Paul the Apostle Paul, like, wow, that guy was just phew, killing it. But in Philippians chapter 4, before he gets to 13, the, f- the famous verse, I can do all things through Christ. Before he gets there, he says, you know what, though? I had to learn. I had to learn to be content in all situations. And when I read that, I'm like, what? You mean you didn't have it down all the time? He's like, no, I had to learn. And Paul's writing this very letter, by the way, telling us to be joyous. He's writing it from prison, okay? And he's full of joy. Because it's a spiritual gift that God gives to you. The spirit-filled person is going to be filled with joy, even in the midst of pain and suffering. One of my favorite Christians, if I can say that, is Johnny Erickson Tata. Because her life was crushed at a young age. She paralyzed herself diving into a shallow lake or something. She was a really good swimmer, state-level swimmer. And because of her setback, she wanted to kill herself, spent a couple of years in suicidal tendencies and all the rest. But eventually, she decided to let the spirit fill her in her crushedness. She's a paraplegic, quadriplegic from the neck down. And instead of just saying, woe is me and Eeyore in a very justified situation, the Holy Spirit has filled her since then. And now she has been on the road touring, and she has made camps and written books and spoken to people's lives about the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of situations that are crushing us. And millions, 
millions of people have heard the gospel and been encouraged in their lives through her pain and suffering. Now, I'm on the committee that would vote no pain and suffering. Can I get an I? You know, can I get an amen? I, my, no bad days. Like, I, you know, I, we talk, hey, no, you got, no, we don't know. We don't know. We actually do know. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, hey, there's going to be tribulation in your future. <laughs> it's going to be difficult, eh? But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Joyful, man. A joyful cry comes out of the spirit-filled person. Look at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He says, speaking to yourselves. It also says speaking to one another. It's, it's translated either way. I'll tell you what, if you don't have a habit of talking to yourself yet about the things of the Lord, David had a number of psalms that begin this way. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Your hope is in the Lord. Now, what's going on there? He's cast down. Bad day. Things aren't going good. David went all, David's life was crazy. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Good question. Where's my hope? Your hope is in the Lord. And he would talk himself out of his stinking thinking back into that joyful status where he knew that the Lord was good. Even when a situation wasn't. I wait sometimes until my situation gets good before I become joyous again. I'm not going to turn this frown upside down until I'm happy. Did you know it takes more muscles to frown than to smile? Like it takes more energy and effort to be a Debbie Downer than to be a whatever the opposite is. He says, hey, speak to yourself. The truth of God, and you'll find yourself believing the truth of God and coming out. I like how he says psalms, songs, singing, and melodies. Those are like four different types of Christian music, in my opinion. Like there's hymns in there, there's contemporary Christian, there's maybe some Christian country in there too, or some Christian rap, you know, all kinds of things there. He's saying there's all kinds of ways to get into the presence of the Lord, whether it's uh, K-Love or Christian radio, and I love the diversity we have at this church on our stage with our worship teams. Just such diversity, such different talents and skills and personalities, and I believe that gives God glory when Paul tells us here, hey, you want to be joyful? Well, sing and speak and give thanks to the Lord. Look at verse 20. He actually says, a spirit-filled person will give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. You want to know who the most uh, grateful and thankful people are in the world? The most grateful and thankful people. It's so simple. The most grateful and happiest person is not the one who gets whatever they want. Listen, but it's the one who wants whatever they get. You could be so fired up, even right now. You could leave here, just, oh, I'm so good. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would be good right now, that I would be thankful, joyful. Here's the crazy thing. When you have kids, you teach them to say thanks. Remember this? I, I've got three little kiddos, so somebody hands them something, whether it's at the store. You might even order an ice cream cone. They get it. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. And the kids are like, thank you. you know, and, and say thank you. Thank you. And, and they're not thank you. They're, you know, they're saying it. They're learning. And eventually they learn to say thank you. Noah, my eight-year-old, he like actually says thank you now with a smile. Like he's well-trained. You know, the other kids are catching up. You know? But you get taught to say thank you. And then you memorize to say thank you. But then check this out. Whole new world. When you actually reach the point of actually being thankful. It's totally different. You can say thank you. It's super easy. It's polite. It's right. It's the, it's the right thing to do. But there comes a point in your life with that attitude of gratitude. It's the Holy Spirit. 
when he illuminates your soul, when he moves into your life, when he takes over. Right now, you, maybe you have an attitude and you're just depressed and you have, you're negative and you, you're not happy about anything and you've just decided to believe that's the way you were wired and, and you're going to be different than other people. I realize that. But he says the spirit-filled person gives thanks in all things. And you might say, I can't do that. I would say you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you ask God, Lord, just show me what to be thankful for. Help me to be thankful. Make me grateful. I remember when I was 22 years old, I literally remember processing my life, and I was beginning to walk with the Spirit in a greater way, and I literally remember this heavy thought that came across my mind. And by the way, male minds aren't fully developed until age 27 or 29. I mean, studies show when I was 22, so I was like half brain dead. But it, was, but it was coming in. It was coming in. Like, I was like coming, coming of age. And, and I remember, though, this thought went through my mind. What? My mom and dad, when I was born, fed me. And therefore, I didn't die. And I was like, it was so profound. I was like, oh, I owe them everything. I, 22 years of living before I was thankful. And I actually thought if I should call my mom and tell her. I didn't. I didn't. But she was here at the first service, so she heard. I remember, though, I was never thankful for anything. I was ungrateful, wanted more, more selfish. And then the Holy Spirit takes over and maturity sets in. Man, the attitude of gratitude. A spirit-filled person will be thankful, joyful and thankful, worshipful. Singing, he says here in verse 19. He says, I I missed that part. Uh, And I forgot to teach on it at the first service, too. Oops, I repent. Singing to the Lord is a gift from God. And not everyone sings, right? Not everyone has the perfect voice. That's why we turn it up super loud so you can sing and no one will hear you. True story. But singing to the Lord is actually very close to being spirit-filled. Did you know that the two offset each other? The two set each other off. To sing to the Lord implies that you're spirit-filled. It's what you're going to do. You're going to sing to him if you're spirit-filled. And singing to the Lord will fill your spirit. The, the two go hand in hand. Which one is first, the chicken or the egg? You pick. Singing to the Lord. And you might not like to sing, and I get that, but listen, we cheer for stuff. We applaud things. We, did anybody watch college football yesterday? And there was some worship going on in some stadiums, you know. And I would say don't let the world out-worship their gods when it comes time to worshiping our gods. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to record it. Don't put it on iTunes, please. Just sing to the Lord, and you'll be blessed in doing so. So the Christian, the spirit-filled Christian, is joyful, is worshipful, and is thankful. Look at verse 21. And the joy-filled, or should I say spirit-filled Christian, is submitted. Submitted. Uh, Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. I love how it tacks on. I'll say it at the beginning just so I can unpack this with this in your mind. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord literally means trusting in the Lord, respecting the Lord, looking to fully the Lord. Oh, the Lord's here. I can submit to this person because the Lord's here. I can trust this situation because the Lord's here. I can serve in this situation because the Lord's here. I don't have to fret about this situation because the Lord's here. Do you do that? Is your spirit so taken over by God's spirit That with those cantankerous people or those neighbors that don't see things your way. Or that Christian that just gets under your skin or that spouse even or that child that has just worn you down. Is there enough spirit from God in your spirit where you can submit to that person even? That's what it says. Submit to each other. 
that, that is the people under you and above you and around you and over you and different than you. Submit to them as unto the Lord. Because when you allow God to take care of what needs to be taken care of in their lives, it gets taken care of right. Okay? When you decide to hold that grudge, when you decide to grind that axe, when you decide to bring that up, when you decide to be your defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney and the judge and the jury and the bailiff and the cops and the whatever, when you decide to do all that, eh, you do a bad job. Did you? Maybe you're like me. Whenever I've sought to defend myself or, or to promote myself and to not submit, whenever I've done that ever, ever, I am instantaneously not walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. It's just the way it is. I'm walking in Luke Frechette now. How can Luke Frechette jockey this and position that and, and take that? And maybe you've done that a time or two. He says, hey, don't do that. If you're spirit-filled, trust me. Trust me. Whoa, this is such a miracle. I would rather walk on water, for honestly. I would rather, instead of letting go of some of the relationships in my life, yeah, Lord, I appreciate the offer to submit to this person, but rather than submit to them, I'd submit them. And the Lord says, no, no, let me take care of it. King David comes to mind. Remember King David, he was anointed the king of Israel as a young boy. Yet he had his predecessor still alive and still the king of Israel at that time. And instead of jockeying for position, instead of doing anything even sinful, in my opinion, anything at all, he said, you know what? The Lord knows. I'm not going to attack King Saul. I'm not going to take it into my own power. I'm going to let God work this out for his glory and in his way and his timing. Can I just say this? When we give preference to other people, it's okay. We've all been there before, haven't we? Some of you, I see you at Fred Myers, you're like that. <laughs> Paul says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to, to trust him. Now, here's how it works in our life. It doesn't mean that you agree with everyone, okay? But it means that you're willing to hear people, okay? It means that you're willing to love them. It means that you're willing to work with them. It means you're willing just to... I'll just come trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to love you. I'm going to cover your sins. My, my, what I perceive as sins, what I perceive as offenses, I'm just going to love you. Submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, and God will take care of you. He's going to do it. Do you believe that? Well, a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and hold this card close. I'm going to go ahead and hold this move over here just in case God doesn't do his end of the bargain. Really? And we find ourselves then navigating back to the flesh. A couple of days ago, that's not true, a couple of weeks ago, somebody wanted to talk with me. And you know what my first thought was? I'm not going to submit to this person. First thought out of my mind. So we went and had a conversation with this person. And as this person began to speak, I began to sense the Lord. And I said, whoops, that was wrong. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and my rebellion and my pride. And I got to set it down. And I received from God, from this individual. And the Lord has used it to bless me, truly to bless me. The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit fills, the Holy Spirit asks us to walk in joyfulness and thankfulness and worshipfulness and submittedness one to another. Now he goes into verses 22 through 33, and I'll teach this exegetically, which is verse by verse next week, but I just kind of want to give the idea for you husbands and wives and for guys and gals as he looks to the marriage and this harmony and says a spirit-filled marriage will look like this. It'll look like a spirit-filled church where the church gathers together and gives preference to Christ, submits to Christ, willingly falls in line with what Christ is doing. How many of you guys want Christ's will in your life right now? Oh, that's all I want. I only ever want what Jesus wants. I trust him in that way. 
and there's harmony when I act that way. When it's my way and not his way, <laughs> weirdoville, I don't need any of that. And God says, yeah, I don't want marriages to look like that way either. I want them to be blessed. So I'm going to give to you this role and responsibility. Now, let me just, again, use those two words. When I do marriage counseling, I always talk about biblical roles and biblical responsibility. They're different. God has given to each and every person roles and responsibilities. As a matter of fact, in every relationship, every relationship on earth right now that you're a part of, there are specific roles and responsibilities that you're okay with. You're absolutely fine with them, whether it's judicial or social or, or economical. Everybody, there's this role and responsibility that we all just say, yep, that's how, that's how it works. That, it works beautifully. When they do their part well, ah, oh, it's awesome. When I do my part well, oh, this, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But when I decide to play my bell on my own little deal, when I decide to be my own boss and be my own, yeah, it gets weird. Uh, but instead, God says that I want husbands and wives to both in submission to my commands be who I've called them to be. You realize that there's two basic commands given to husbands and wives. One command each, really. For the wives to give preference to their husbands, to allow him to lead, to submit to him in that way. That's it. That's their command. And then to husbands, to love their wives, to, follow, to give their lives for the sake of their wife, sacrificially, unconditionally, and in totality. So both husband and wife have a decision to make. Am I going to be filled with the Spirit in my marriage? Am I going to do this? As a man, am I going to step up and lead? Am I going to cover my family? Am I going to be responsible? God says, you are responsible. You're going to be held responsible. You better start living that way. And he says to the wives, God has given to you a husband that needs you to follow him. He's actually made this way. We'll talk about that next week. But let me just ask you one question. First of all, are men and women equal? Kind of uncertainty there. I think I heard some words that aren't real words. Nah, just some sounds, nah, 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 you know, listen, <laughs> are men and women equal? Yes, crazy, isn't it? Absolutely equal. God made, this is what it says in the book of Genesis, God made male and female in his image, equal, equal in his image in order to demonstrate who he is, in order to illustrate, in order to give us this mystery, male and female. Now, are they equal? The answer is yes, okay? It took you a while to get that out. You guys thought you were on the hot seat. You guys were more nervous than I am teaching this. And uh, let me ask you a different question. Are men and women different? Wow, you guys know that one. (laughs) Are men and women different? Apparently, they're from different planets. One's from Venus, one's from Mars. I don't know if that's true. They're so different. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. It's amazing. I love it. The more you study it and the more you worship God through it, the more you understand how big and amazing God is. And you just sit back and you really are more spirit-filled and you worship him and you'll be a a better man, if I can say that, and you'll be a, a better woman because you'll realize God made you so unique and so special and so diverse. And so different. And at the same time, mystery, so equal and so awesome. Men and women are different, just straight up. And we'll talk about this for the next uh, couple weeks. But let me just, I don't think I need to belabor this, um, but I would just go over just a few thoughts so you can consider this. Men and women are absolutely different. And uh, here's some unique differences between men and women. Uh, Men are on average 30 to 50% stronger in their upper body strength than women. Yeah, they're just stronger. We would all kind of see that. And uh, raise your hand, guys, if you've ever been asked to open up a pickle jar. 
you know, hey, the pickle jar, open up the pickle jar, you know, it's like, you know, I, I get asked to open up the pickle jar, I'm not sure why, I just get asked to, and um, it says that uh, women, uh, here's another difference, women tend to live longer than men by an average of four to six years, you know why? Because they don't open pickle jars, <laughs> it's longer lifespans, just, I'm not that smart, but I can see that one, anyways, uh, Here's the difference. Uh, men have larger lungs and larger hearts than women. To open pickle jars, obviously. And uh, women, though, have larger organs and larger stomachs. Here's why. Women get the grand privilege of growing another human. Men get to open pickle jars. You get to grow humans. I'm talking... And God, it's amazing. Can you imagine the privilege, the responsibility of growing another human? And so God has made women different and men different and all these things. And I'm not going to try and teach on all these. I'm just going to let some of these sit right there. Men, uh, on average, their ring fingers are longer than their pointer fingers. Go ahead and check it out, guys. If your ring finger is longer than your pointer finger, and uh, mine is. Uh, I'm a man. And um, women, though, uh, their pointer fingers are longer than their ring fingers, just on average. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Uh, Here's another difference. Women have three absolutely unique functions, Uh, menstruation, pregnancy, and lactation. Men don't have any of that. (laughs) Totally different here. We're talking different altogether. Uh, On average, men can tolerate more physical pain than women. It's science. Listen Listen to the caveat here. Listen to the caveat here. But when tested, women have a greater sensitivity to pain than men, so it really is more painful for women than men. Now, you can go ahead and argue about that at your life group later. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. So, okay. I tried to explain that to my wife last night. She said, you better just keep reading when you come to that one. I said, okay, I'll just don't try and explain that. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Okay. Just, I'm sorry. Uh, here's another one. Uh, we- <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, women are more sensitive to sound than men. And all the men are like, is he, is he still talking? <laughs> you ever tried to talk to a guy before? So tough. Anyways, anyways, uh, an average man is taller and heavier than an average woman. It's just, it's just different. Um, a couple other things about men and their physical bodies. Uh, uh, did you know that emotionally they're different also? Males are more likely to be the class clown than females. I, mean, we do, I don't know why it is, but we just agree. It's just, every, this is how it is. The joker, the guy that's going to the principal's office, is usually the dude. He's just getting in trouble. Um, they've also uh, done studies that show that females are more likely to laugh at something funny than males. So imagine the high school setting. You've got the guys being an idiot trying to make people laugh. You've got all the girls over here laughing, and it's just the guy just says, oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. And there's this whole thing going on. God made it that way. Man, this one's crazy. I'm just going to put it out there for you. Ready? Studies show that men are more sensitive emotionally than women. Here's, the, here's, here's where it gets super weird. But they also tested higher at being able to hide it better than women. <sighs> Welcome to spirit-filled marriage. Here's how it looks. So men are more sensitive than women emotionally, but they hide it better. Okay? 
here's how it looks. Your wife comes home, you're talking to a gal, and she's emotionally distraught, something's wrong, and you ask her how she is, and she says, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure if you're not fine, you don't do a very good job at hiding that. The man, on the other hand, may be having some problems, issues, he's sensitive, gotten hurt, disappointed, depressed, whatever. You ask him how he's doing. Oh, good, good, everything's fine. But the guy can play it off. So imagine the... the the complication here in a setting when your husband is actually needing the support from his wife or from his friends that he needs so badly, but he does such a good job at masking it. When on the other hand, when the wife needs support and is having a hard time, we all know it. <laughs> interesting, interesting. You can talk about that <laughs> in your small groups as well. Uh, hormonally, they're different. Men and women have a completely different set of chromosomes and... Uh, Women uh, are said to, on average, cry uh, five times more often than men. Um, I would even say that that's probably a little low in my experience. <laughs> what does that mean, Pastor Luke? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> uh, they're just totally different. Men and women are totally different. And God says, I know. I know. I did it on purpose. You're all totally different. You're totally different. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit... And as you trust me, I'm your God. I said, just Jesus died on the cross in order that you would read this and say, you know what? I, I kind of want to trust him. I want to trust. I want to be spirit filled. I want to be joyful, even though my situation is not joyful. And I want to be thankful, even though uh, I don't know. I'd rather be depressed. And I, I, I want to be submitting to others, even though I'm actually fearful. I'm fearful that they'll hurt me. I'm fearful that they'll take advantage of me, but instead I'm going to submit to them as unto the Lord, and I want to be the best man that I can be, and I want to be spirit-filled and be the best woman that I can be, and I want to just be me, and I'll trust you, Lord. Would you teach me how? Would you teach me how? Now, here's a question you could ask yourself. I'm going to have the worship team come up because I went beyond time. Here, here's a question because you might ask yourself, well, can I, can I still just do it my way? <laughs> do I have a vote? <laughs> you can. You actually can do it your way. You can do it your way. And when you do, you'll be walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. You won't be fulfilling what God has intended for your life to be. And when Jesus looked at the disciples, he said, I want to fill you. That you would be a miracle. That you would be different. That you would actually be equipped in a world that needs to see my power that it would be seen in lives lived as men and as women, as singles and as married, as young and as old, that at all stages of your life and in all situations of your experience, you can find yourself looking to the Lord and giving your life over to the Holy Spirit and being filled. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we can simply read it and simply believe it. And if there's somebody here today that has a question, what does that mean? I don't understand. I'm scared. May they just give their lives to you and say, Lord, take care of me, please. Please help me moving forward, Lord. Please help me. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think this. I feel differently than your word said. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel differently than what God's word said. And you can say, Lord, would you change me? I don't want you to change your word. I don't want you to edit your word for my sake. I'd, I'd rather you, Lord, change me. There are parts of me that need to be changed, and I can't do it. But you can change me. I think I'll let you. 
if that's you today, if you just need the, the Holy Spirit to change you, maybe in your parenting, maybe in your marriage, you need the Holy Spirit to change you. You're just not, you're not right where you need to be. There's too much of you left. Maybe in your singleness, maybe in your worship and your thankfulness and your joyfulness, maybe you're not a joyful single person and you need the Lord to, to, to fill you. You don't want to fake it, but you need to be filled. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe, maybe life hasn't gone the way you planned. And maybe it's gone worse than what you ever anticipated. And you need the Lord to change you. You can't do it, but he can. Let him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't look to the ways of the world. Don't go to that stuff. Stop it. Stop going to the ways of the world. It will never get you where you want to be. And if you're here today and you would just say, yes, Lord. Would you just raise your hand to him right now and say, take over, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Make me more joyful. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a complainer anymore. Make me more thankful, Lord. Just make me the happiest person in the world. Make me more of a servant to others, Lord. I'm so selfish and so prideful. Just raise your hand if you need help submitting to others in the fear of the Lord. Raise your hand if you need help being the best guy that God has made you to be or being the best gal that God has made you to be. You're so unique and so beautiful. Everything about you is so perfect when you're given over to the Lord. When he dwells in you richly, when it's no longer you but him. Raise your hand right now if you need that. You want that. You're willing to give it to him. You're not raising your hand saying, I've got ideas. I've got suggestions. I've got something to add, but instead you're saying, I give up. Raise your hand if that's you. And Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Bless us. We just love you. We love you. We can't even explain it all. It's a mystery, Paul said. But we trust you in the mystery. And we worship you now. As we come to the table, we're going to take juice and a cracker, Lord. It's a mystery. But even that coming to the table is a celebration of what is. That is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we believe you. So Holy Spirit, anoint this time of worship and celebration of repentance and reception as we receive from you all that you've given to us already. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.